Hey listeners, I'm Adam. And I'm Daniel. And this is the Avocado Advocates Show, where we discuss tips, tricks, and tools to help you most effectively promote the vegan movement. All right, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, today's topic is going to be how to tailor your approach to each person you talk to so you can be most effective in your advocacy. Yeah, I think this is a really important topic to discuss and to listen in on just because there is no one specific way to go about uh, advocacy and being an activist. And there isn't no one better way than worse way. Um, it is all about tailoring your approach and and making it your own and feeling comfortable. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so, like, what have you done? Like, what's been your approach? So, personally, I've never done any, like, public advocacy. Although I'd like to, uh, in the future, I feel it's best for anybody to start with kind of testing out um, their communication skills when it comes to this topic with people they're close to at first. Because... It might not feel so um, kind of devaluing if, if you get lost in your words rather than if you're talking to a complete stranger and you like get lost in your words or you make mistakes or you can't seem to find the right things to say. They automatically feel like they won and they left that conversation um, feeling better than vegans, feeling that they're doing the right thing and you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I think if you if you talk to your friends or if you talk to your family about it, at first, they can um, kind of have more sympathy towards it and, and uh, might have, like, an easier time trying to find, like, a level ground with you. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, I guess, like, the three, the three angles you can always go at it are either the health angle, the animal, like, like animal welfare angle, or the environment angle. And, like... Pretty much think, everyone you talk to is going to care about at least one of those. Yeah, exactly. So I think that is tailoring your approach to the specific person you're talking to. So that's also really important. But there's also a difference between doing that and tailoring your approach to how you feel more comfortable, most comfortable, right? I see. So like, for example, um, let's say you don't feel comfortable speaking out in public in front of a big group of people or whatever, something like that. Um, there are like tens and tens of ways you can go about doing advocacy or going like, you could do anything you could do online, you could do like whatever you want. Oh, and so then, you're saying you could like do a podcast or a blog yeah, or an Instagram exactly. channel. Okay, got so it, that, yeah. That's, I think there's, there's like, um, there's a difference between those two things. So you tailor it to the way you feel more comfortable. And then beyond that, you tailor it on an individual case by case basis depending on who you're talking to and how they react to the things you're saying or whatever. Right. Which one should we go into first? Um, I think we should go into uh, like the individual person you're talking to. So like what you touched on like environment, health and ethics. True. So I don't know, like, so you can, yeah, everyone's going to care about at least one of those, probably multiple. Um, and then within those, you can dive even deeper. Like, like, if you know that the person you're talking to is, like, super into, like, bodybuilding or weightlifting, you can probably, even before you go into the conversation, you can probably guess that their concerns are going to be about protein, 
yeah. and like making gains and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's that's an like an awesome kind of an awesome approach to take because maybe ten years ago it would have been hard to convince somebody that you can build muscle on a vegan diet, but now there are so many like testimonials, right? Like we have, I don't know if you know who Nimai Delgado is. He was yeah. in the Game Changers movie. Yeah. So like, there's so many huge vegan bodybuilders and there's so many like revolutionary athletes that are going vegan and like weightlifters and sprinters. So, um, there's you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your new Instagram channel? It's Daniel Mumon fitness. So my first name, my last name and fitness. All right. All right. Everyone listening, follow, follow Daniel. Mumon yeah. Fitness. Follow, follow me up for some fitness and nutrition. Vegan <laughs> nutrition. Um, but yeah, so like, even within those, what I was trying to get to is like, even within health, um, animal welfare and like environment, you can even focus like even deeper, like yeah. from the health, it could be someone who's super into the gym. And then there's someone who's into like super healthy eating and you might tailor your approach differently. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for a lot of people. Like, I think definitely most people like to think that they eat a healthy diet. But in reality, it's like such a small percent of the population that really does eat a healthy diet. So um, I think a big part of advocacy could be kind of clarifying what a healthy diet means, because for so many people, it means such a wide variety of things. And the word health, because of industry, is attached to so many different foods that it's almost like extremely confusing what is healthy, what isn't healthy. Like you hear like almost every day someone saying something different about coffee. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee's addictive. Like this, that. Like, you hear so many different things, and I think it's important. Like for example, nutritionfacts.org is like one of the only websites where you can really trust. It's like a non-conflict of interest opinion. Yeah. No, I I love nutritionfacts.org. Nutritionfacts.org. Yeah. I still think like people could say there's a bias because the guy like Michael Greger, like I think that's his name, the guy who runs it. He's vegan, right? So, like, I guess you could say there is a bias, but I don't think there is. Yeah, I mean, he's vegan because of what he knows, right? He's <laughs> not he's not sharing this information because he's vegan. Um, but, but I've yeah, also, like, I've met, like, doctors, like, <laughs> like a couple months ago, like, a family friend is, like, a doctor, and they're, like, super into, like, the keto. and they. I know, so many, so many. And because, like, this guy's like, oh, all you got to eat is like butter, cheese, red meat. I'm like, Dude. oh, my God, dude, because it's it's crazy. Like they have no nutrition counseling when it comes to medical school, yeah. like absolute zero. Yeah. In medical school, from what I know, I'm not in medical school, but they teach you how to treat people when they have conditions or they teach you how to treat a flawed body, essentially. So I don't know if you know who Dr. Garth Davis is. No. He was in um, uh, What the Health. Okay. And um, yeah, he does he does a lot of things for the for the plant based movement. But anyways, he also treats his patients with um, plant based diet. And um, what was I saying? You're talking about Garth Davis. Um, I'm trying to think where we were going with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking about Michael Greger. Oh, I was talking about keto. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, he was saying it's like in medical school, you teach that the body has or you're, you're taught, excuse me, that the body is naturally flawed and your job is to fix the flawed body. There's absolutely no um, education when it comes to preventative measures and 
how to prevent getting into the state of a flawed body. It's just, it's more or less just, this is what you do when someone comes in with these problems. Right. It's not, how do these problems arise? Where do these problems come from? What's the root cause of these problems? Like diabetes, everybody thinks it's just, um, it's just sugar or carbs that causes diabetes because when you have diabetes, you have high sugar in your bloodstream. But just because that's what happens from diabetes, that doesn't mean that that's the root cause or that's what causes it. Because yeah. now we know, obviously, it's it's fat inside the muscle cell that blocks the sugar from entering, which is why you have high blood sugar. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of controversy when it comes to that. But it's important. it's important to get your information from, I guess reliable sources but that's also another thing that's hard to <laughs> hard to judge who's reliable who's not yeah like honestly what i tell people is like there's, there's always going to be different opinions but you yeah. got to think for yourself so like go on youtube and search vegan diet search keto diet and watch like watch a debate i'm sure you can search vegan versus keto diet for instance on YouTube yeah. and you can watch a debate and you can form an opinion for yourself as to who you think makes better points. Very true. I think too many people these days um, kind of just believe what they're told and believe what society is doing is right and what what's happening now is right. And a lot of people have the belief that since we're in 2018, like everything is like we're in this like not a perfect world, obviously nobody thinks that, but we're in this like world where we can't change anything for the better. We're like, doing everything the best we can to sustain our population. But, um, yeah, people just go go, kind of, you have you watched the matrix? Like, yeah. Okay. So, you know, the analogy of like choosing the blue pill versus the red pill. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. So for the people listening, it's, um, if you haven't watched the matrix, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but there's <laughs> a scene. It's an amazing movie. You should watch it, but there's a scene, um, where certain character is given the option, a red pill or a blue pill. And the red pill is um, just waking up in your in your bed, sorry, um, forgetting everything that happened almost as if it was a dream and living your life day by day, um, being fed a lie and being happy with that lie, almost kind of just uh, living your daily happy life, being okay, not knowing the truth, right? Yeah. And then choose the blue pill, which is come with me, I'll teach you what the matrix is. And it's a dark, scary sight that you're going to still feel like a dream and you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that it's actually reality and it's not a dream. So it's like kind of choosing blissful ignorance over the truth. Yeah. And I think a lot of people subconsciously choose blissful ignorance just because they don't um, really think for themselves or, or go deeper into trying, make, trying to make decisions for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's like, there's a... So many reasons why, like, yeah, people don't people eat meat. Like, there's so many, so many aspects to it. Yeah, it's complicated. But anyways, back on the the idea of like yeah. tailoring the approach. So like, I actually like a a friend was over uh, last night. Uh, we were just hanging out, and then I brought up like veganism. I was like, because he he loves animals. Like, he watches like Planet Earth and all this stuff. Like, he's he loves animals. Yeah. So I asked him like, like what's stopping you from going vegan? And he's like, man, it just tastes too good. He's like, I can't give up the taste. Yeah. And then, so I did two things. Like, first, like, there's a comment. I don't know if you've heard it, but, like, a lot of vegan activists these days, like, they'll ask, like, okay, I agree it might taste good, but, like, what do you value more, taste or life? Yeah. 
So like that's that's one way to just ask them a question and make them think about the fact that okay like I guess you're right like when even like even though it might taste good uh, like a life ha- like has to end because of it. So there's that aspect. But then I was also just like, um, we're gonna go to A and W right now. I don't know if you've seen that the Beyond Burger. Yeah, I, I did see they're serving it up now. Yeah, so they're they're serving it. Um, have you tried the Beyond Meat Burger? I tried it not at A and W though. I tried it at a different restaurant. Okay. Um, anyways, like for those listening who don't know what it is, it's like a plant-based vegan burger. I'm sure everyone listening knows what it is, but, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like tastes pretty close to meat. Um, so anyways, I told him that, like, I wanted to prove a point that like, he's saying he yeah. put up the taste, but like, we're getting to a point where you can have like really tasty options that taste. If you want the yeah. same taste as meat, you can get it. Exactly. That's very true. Like, um, it's a good point to make with you value taste over life, but we've almost come to the point where you don't have to choose taste. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like they have like vegan chicken in the supermarket. Like what the hell? Yeah. How's that possible? And yeah, like it tastes almost identical, right? If you're, if you're searching for that meaty flavor, like it's not that hard to find. Yeah. And then the biggest counter, like I've got to that is like, so for instance, when he tried the food, he's like, is this healthy though? And I've heard that from a yeah. few people. Like, I'll bring up like the Beyond Burger. They'll be like, "Is this really healthy though? It's so heavily processed." And well, is meat healthy though? Yeah. So that's my response. I'm like, okay, this isn't yeah. the healthiest vegan option. It's obviously heavily processed, but you do realize that like meat is classified as like a class A carcinogen by the American Cancer Society. Like, yeah. Like you're not yeah. doing any better it's... eating red meat. Um, so... Yeah, it's definitely a better trade-off when you talk about health, even though it's it might not be healthy. Yeah. Um, when you talk about what we know uh, from plant-based burgers, which is generally either like wheat gluten or like soy protein um, versus what we know about like red meat and processed meat and uh, chicken and even like stuff like chicken breast, right? Which so many people for some reason think is like a health food these days. Like I used to think that too, just like a few months ago, right? Yeah. Or just like five months ago or so. Like I thought chicken breast was a health food. Like, yeah, like I need these to keep my gains. Like I need these to be strong, but like that's so untrue there's just there's so much money behind these products and industries so like yeah the industry's fought red meat forever and then once like recently i think like in the past 10 years people are realizing okay red meat is just not good so now like they have to defend chicken like they can't lose chicken now as an product. and like just on this note really quick have you seen there i don't know if it's in canada but in the states um milk like the milk industry is pushing really hard uh, to make it like illegal to prohibit um, like plant-based like almond soy milk from calling it milk. Yeah, I heard about that. And I did I, hear about that. I saw an article yesterday that I think said that like within a year, they're not going to be able to call it milk anymore. It won't be called almond milk, soy milk, whatever. I think, is that not effective in Canada right now? What do you mean? Like, are they not doing that in Canada right now? Because from what I've seen, honestly, I thought that was the case in Canada right now. Because when you go by vegan ice cream, it doesn't say vegan ice cream. It says vegan frozen dessert or it says almond beverage or it says soy beverage really yeah oh i so, didn't realize like what are the yeah, what are the main uh brands here silk right like silk, silk one of yeah them? and you're saying it I doesn't say almond milk on I, i'm pretty sure it says beverage if i'm not mistaken oh, it might be different in different countries maybe you're right maybe i just never even realized that it didn't say it I guess it's fine. Like it's literally gonna, even if it doesn't say milk, it's gonna be right next to 
the milk. Yeah. And yeah. it's gonna like the cover is gonna show like it show like on the thing it's gonna show like milk being poured. So anyway, I guess it doesn't matter, but it just speaks to like how the industry is just pushed back. Yeah, it's just like it's it's like one of those things I was talking about right with the Matrix. It's it's like if you're fed this this almost lie enough times, it becomes the truth in your head, right? Yeah. yeah. And if if these industries in their head, if they feed these lies enough times, like chicken is a health food, chicken breast is a health food. Um, like dairy milk is so nutritious, blah, blah, blah. And they keep feeding these lies. Like even when we were younger, like um, I'm sure we both heard so often that you need milk for strong bones. Like yeah. it's it's so far away from the truth. There's nothing further, but everybody believed it because we've been told it enough times. It's funny if you, like, I don't know who made this point. Like, I, anyways, like I, like I read something somewhere recently where they're like, yo, just watch the commercials on TV. Next time you watch TV, the only companies that need to advertise are ones that aren't actually generally aren't doing good for you. Like you're going to see, you're not going to see any like vegetables being advertised or anything like that. You're just going to see milk. You're going to see a cheeseburger from Wendy's. You're going to see like Coca-Cola advertising. Like, because that's the thing. There's, there's no money in fruits and vegetables really. Right. It goes straight from the, or almost straight from the farm to the supermarket. Yeah. And it's perishable. So, Five days goes by and that food is rotten. A uh, Twinkie or a cookie you can leave on the shelf for months, yeah. and you can market that like crazy. Like there's so much, there's so much market value. There's so much um, time to market that product, as opposed to like broccoli. Like who's gonna market broccoli, especially because you can put an advertisement on TV for broccoli, but how do you know that person is gonna walk into the supermarket and buy your farm's broccoli? Like there's, there's different farms. There's different broccoli companies. Like. And it doesn't state, well, at times it doesn't state like the farm it's coming from on the broccoli package. And frankly, like no one really gives a shit like where the broccoli's coming from. <laughs> yeah. Just want broccoli, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, the industry makes a huge difference for sure. I thought it was just funny. Yeah, like next time you watch TV, you'll see like every ad. It's gonna be you're gonna get like a cheeseburger ad from Wendy's. Then you're gonna get like a lottery ad, which clearly isn't like good for anyone. Yeah. Like you're just gonna get like all these industries that. Yeah, that's true. If Very the product's true. good enough, <laughs> it'll sell itself. You don't need to advertise it. That's very true. Good point. Um, I guess I'm going to go against my point really quickly, but like it was at least good to see, like A&W, I saw a commercial, they advertised the Beyond Meat burger. <laughs> so that kind of goes oh, against really? my point. But like, oh. I don't know, that felt good to see that they're actually promoting it. Well, here's the thing, right? Like industries want money, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it's what yeah. they want. Yeah. So if there's a demand for plant-based um, products and alternatives, all right, sorry, you got cut off there, but you were talking about how like companies, their focus with advertising is just money mainly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what you said was true. Like most advertisements you're gonna see on TV are for things that are bad for you, right? Because those are the things they want to advertise to sell. But if we, like as a as a community, as a population, whatever, start putting our dollar into things that are good for us, or for example, like you brought up like the A&W Beyond Meat Burger. And I actually saw this also. I went grocery shopping a few days ago at No Frills. And No Frills just opened up their own like health food section, which is very new for No Frills. And almost everything, like almost everything on the shelves, there was like one thing left. Or like so many things were sold out. And just like seeing that and like looking at the Beyond Meat Burger. And like I saw signs um, on some A&Ws saying they were like completely out of the Beyond Meat Burgers due to like high demand and stuff. So I think industries are really like they obviously take note of what um, 
brings in money, right? What 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 people want. And if we tell these industries and let them know with our dollar that we want more plant-based options, we want more vegan options, cruelty-free, then they're going to provide. But yeah, I, I agree with what you say about how on TV, a lot of the times they're advertising things that are hard to sell without advertisements, without making them sound better than they actually are. Right. Yeah, no, but uh, like that completely makes sense. Like it, like you said, it ultimately comes down to like what are people demanding? Yeah, it's supply uh, and demand, right? Right. So, yeah, if someone if someone goes to A and W and buys the Beyond Meat burger and previously had bought the regular burger, yeah, then they're exactly. just gonna exactly they'll they'll the the demand will be in a surplus for vegan pro for vegan products and not a negative for animal based products, right? Because if people are transitioning, then it means less animal products are being sold. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the shift is gradual, but I mean, we, we definitely see it in day to day life. Yeah, it's cool, definitely cool to see. Um, so yeah, we're we're filming the second half of this episode on this on a different day because of yeah. uh, Wi-Fi issues. But I actually got to go to the Cuba Truth for the first time. Like, yeah, so talk about that. But I've never been to one of those. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. So I don't know. It's it's in hundreds of cities around the world. Um, in Toronto, from what I understand, they do it like once or twice a week, which is pretty cool. Do pretty yeah. Awesome. Um, so it's probably run a little differently in each city, but how it was run here, um, normally they do it on the weekend, but this was on a weekday, so the turnout was a little lower, but there were probably like 15, 20 uh, volunteers who were yep. taking part. It was my first time, so what they ask you to do is the first couple times, um, rather than doing outreach, which is like the people who who walk around the cube and talk to people who are like watching and yeah. seem interested. Yeah. The first couple of times they're like, um, like your role is to be in the cube and stand yeah. with the screen. Um, so that, it was really cool. Like, yeah, it was a really weird experience. Like putting on the mask and standing there. First of all, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I stood like in one spot for so long. <laughs> <laughs> they let you take breaks and stuff, but like still like, I yeah, your body's meant to stand like that. So, oh my God. but um, it was cool. Like I was surprised at, um, and I know this probably fits better in the last episode on public protests yeah. and whether they're effective. But I thought it was really effective. Yeah, um, I was gonna ask, like, how how were people reacting? Did you find it was effective? So we were right in Young and Dundas Square. For those who aren't from Toronto, like a main kind of like Times Square, but on Toronto yeah. scale. Um, but anyways, like. Obviously, a lot of people are just walking by. They're on autopilot. They don't notice. But there's a ton of people who were watching. Like, they'd, it would catch their eye because it's just such a weird demonstration with the masks and, and the screens and everything. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, a ton of people would watch. And you'd just see, like, the look in their face, like, the horror of what they're seeing. And they'd look sad or whatever. And then one of the volunteers would go up to them and say, would say something like, um, do you know what you're watching? Or have you seen this before? And yeah. it was cool just, like, I could hear the conversations because they're only a few feet away talking, like, in front of the screens. And, like, really productive conversations, people, like, asking questions and, like, very receptive. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was awesome. Like, what they do is they get um, the volunteers to – everyone has, like, a counter. And, like, every time they have what they consider a productive conversation where they think they made an impact on someone, um, they, like – they, like – count it yeah and we were out there for like a couple hours and they counted across like the like 10 people who are doing outreach 
they counted something like 180 people that yeah. they thought it was like really effective conversations, which that's is really like good. amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to go to one of those. I have to go soon. To yeah, I mean, you got to go. I'm going to keep going. Um, like I think yeah, doing sure. the outreach is would be really cool because I feel like a lot of the times like me and you and probably most vegans, like they want to do outreach, but like you don't want to talk to someone who has no interest in talking about it, right? Exactly. Yeah. But here, like the people who are stopped in front of the in front of the screens, like they're in, they wouldn't stop if they weren't interested in talking. So, anyways, it's like yeah, yeah it's makes sense. effective. And you know that's that's smart what they do. Like we were talking about it before, also about how um, there's so many different ways to to be an activist and to yeah to speak up against it. Um, not there's not just one specific way, and you could you could tailor it exactly how you feel most comfortable. So like, yeah, you could do, you could be one of the people holding the screens. And then after like your first few, if you feel more comfortable and like, you've obviously, like you said, you heard um, the interactions they were having, right. With the outreach people. Yeah. So if you feel more comfortable having those conversations after like your first couple of times, you can try that out. And it's like, yeah, I think that's awesome. It's, um, it's really like, um, like you can, you can kind of shape your activism towards the way you feel most comfortable. And I think no, that's important. I, I completely agree. Like there were a couple of people who they've like, they've been involved with the Cuba truth for a while, but they don't want to do outreach for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So they like organize it. So they organize like the Facebook group and the events. There's some people who just stay in the cube. There's some people who really love outreach. So like, yeah, like I definitely agree. It's about finding your role, what you're most comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah, just I think I think you touched on everything that I think that's important. That's a very important part because if you're not comfortable with how you're speaking to people or how you're not necessarily speaking to people, but how you're reaching people, then it's not going to be the most effective and efficient way you're going to be able to talk about animal activism, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we could probably wrap up this episode here unless you have anything else to add. Um. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. I think we, I think we said a lot of good things on the first half. Yeah, yeah. For our technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, for those listening, it'll hopefully sound like one fluid episode. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, the only thing I'll add is, um, I was thinking we could add like an anonymous like feedback link on on each podcast episode at the like in the description, so that if people want to give like feedback. Yeah, um, for sure. Can. That'd be cool. That's a, that's a good idea. And we could also, we can put, like, I've seen a lot of podcasts, we'll put links to, like, some of the things discussed. So, for instance, we discussed Antler, like the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, okay. That was in the last yeah, episode. Yeah. But in this one, for instance, Cuba Truth, we can put a link to it for people who aren't familiar with it and stuff like that. Yeah, sounds good. And I was going to say one more thing that just popped in my head. Um, when you're talking about tailoring your approach, so we, I said this last time, there's like two different ways that I think about it. It's tailoring it to how you feel most comfortable and then tailoring it like on a case by case basis of how you're, the person you're talking to is, to, is reacting, right? Right. So, um, yeah, like it's, it's important to be able to read body language, to be able to read how people are reacting and to act on their reactions, not just kind of. Uh, find a way of activism that you enjoy and sound like a broken record with each person saying the same thing over and over. I think it's 
um, almost counterproductive if you're not kind of listening to the person you're talking to, trying to, although you're obviously going to be against what they say, try to make it seem as though you guys are going to come to like a, a common ground. Like you guys are going to um, try to find something you can agree upon. So try to like listen to what they have to say and seriously, even though what they're saying might not be like uh, obvious, like if they start saying it, and you know, it's obviously not true. Like, for example, if they say something about like health, that is like a common misconception in the health world that you know is not true. Um, it's okay to like, to kind of try to understand them and explain to them slowly why you might not agree with them. And I think trying to make the person feel like you're going to come to terms with them and you're on the, you're on like almost the same mission as them um, is a lot more friendly and a lot more like approachable for the person you're talking to. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. It's not, it's not about an argument. It's not you're wrong. I'm right. It's, yeah. it's about a conversation and just sharing your perspective, keeping exactly. in mind that you were, um, had this, probably the same views as them probably not too long ago. Um, and if you go in with that approach, yeah, I yeah. think we both agree you'll have a much more like productive conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of vegans forget that too. It's not that people are like automatically against you. It's just that they might not be informed. Like for most vegans, they just weren't informed until they were informed and then they went vegan. But, um, it's, it's really important to remember that for a lot of the time, all it takes is just some calm, subtle information, planting some seeds and just giving a few points that maybe they never thought about before. Like, uh, like you said, I think we said in the first half, like um, asking questions to get them to get them to question their own beliefs instead of telling them how to think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think doing it in the most uh, subtle and friendly way possible is also the most effective. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Next time guys. Bye.